WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. So excited to be here tonight in particular, more so than most other Saturdays, because there's somebody way more intelligent and uh, way prettier than the rest of us here in the studio. Chris Balzano, content director extraordinaire for Spooky South Coast, the guy who works all the magic behind the scenes, bringing us these great guests and coming up with the topics that we talk about and putting in all the the man hours and and running SpookySouthCoast.com and and helping with Spooky TV and the Spooky Alternative feed and just... So every, much, everything. yeah. Basically, yeah. we wouldn't be doing this still if it wasn't for you. I like to think I'm your, I'm your muse. Years after, uh, you guys were worn down, came in, saved the saved spooky South Coast, uh, yeah. rejuvenated it, recreated it, and uh, regurgitated it. So now I'm back here in the studios tonight. And Road the, trip. We, yeah, we had to fly you <laughs> up here basically to thank yeah, you in yeah. person. I had to. I had to, uh, I had to get on a plane, go through snow, plenty of delays, but I am here. I am in the spooky studios. I'm glad Mark uh, actually came in tonight. Uh, right, the, the Paranormal Coast. Pirate is here yes. in the studio with us. One of our uh, favorite Spooky South Coast fans actually came in this first time we're meeting, so it was worth the trip just for that. So I'm glad to be in here tonight. I still can't believe it's the first time you guys have ever it, met. It really is. If he had approached me, I would have run away. But he's here. and uh, I think and the feeling's mutual. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of that. I've gotten a lot of that today, actually. People running away from me. So... We didn't just fly you up here for the show. I mean, I'd like to think that we did. Although it is a worthy cause, right? But, uh, you know, you and I are working on a project about something that's near and dear to our hearts right. in, in the world of the paranormal, that being haunted objects. Haunted objects. And uh, we wrote a book about it together called you know, uh, Haunted, haunted Objects, haunted Stories objects. of Ghosts on Your Shelf. <laughs> right. And uh, we, really, yeah, we really should put a little bit more thought into some new terms there. But, uh, you know, we're working on a new project, hopefully something that will come to fruition and it's right. very exciting. But... I don't know about you, but after spending the last, I don't know, year almost now, mm-hmm. uh, out of the realm of haunted objects and, and kind of working on other things, I'm so excited to be jumping back into this with both feet. You know, it was funny that, uh, you know, um, out there in the field today doing, you know, and, and it wasn't necessarily the research part of it. It wasn't necessarily the uh, a tech-heavy uh, check of what was going on, but just following up on people's stories, getting out there, talking to people, uh, meeting some people. I, I really got the paranormal vibe again. I've been kind of laying low, where you know, more focused on uh, behind the scenes research, more focused on making emotional connections and 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 you know maybe even sociological connections. Getting out there today, I was like, whoa! I, I remember why I used to dig this stuff. Hey, what's funny about it is, you know, we get into this as investigators, right? And we get into the the topic of haunted objects from an investigating standpoint, and it was almost like while we were working on this. Like pulling out the equipment was like an afterthought. I mean, it really—it almost kind of felt, you know, heavy-handed a bit. But we needed it, right? Um, and I'm lucky we did. I'm glad we did uh, because it ended up uh, one of the most, I would say, intense paranormal experiences I've had. 
uh, definitely in a long time, if not ever, personally, um, happened. And it wouldn't have happened necessarily without the tech stuff to back up what we were, what we were feeling, sure. what we were sensing, and what we were talking about. Um, but it really was a story of, of stories. It was a day of stories. It was, it was about the backstories, about the personal experiences, and uh, everything that I really love about the paranormal. And we were getting that kind of chill down your spine type feeling. Uh, we were getting, in some cases, that you know, heartwarming right. you know, connection of, of a loved one type story. And, and we'll get into all that. And, and uh, I know that you were taking some photos during the course of the day. And we're going to be throwing those up on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. So if you normally just listen to the show on the radio... You know, we, we appreciate that, but as a great companion piece, you can also go to Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, and you can see what's going on in the studio. We have a full house here tonight. You can also join in the chat room. We also have a full house there. I want to say hello to everybody in the chat room tonight, and uh, which is minus a few regular members, because <laughs> they're here. <laughs> and, uh, and you can also call in, too. Please, if you have any stories of haunted objects that you want to share, uh, whether it be an experience with an item that you have, maybe you still have it. Uh, maybe you feel like it's cursed, it's possessed. You know, maybe it's UFO evidence or artifacts, as Moniz prefers, or, or maybe it's you know, uh, hair that you think was left from a Bigfoot that walked through your yard. Any of these type of stories, we want to hear your thoughts and we want to hear your stories. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty, or you can email us spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com. dot com. And uh, the phone lines will be open throughout the show, so feel free to call in at any time. And uh, Matt Koss is over there manning Spooky TV tonight, so he's got all kinds of bells and whistles going on. And Matt, just also, if, if something happens in the chat room and we miss it, don't be afraid to like be the Stephanie. Okay. And just jump in, and, bump in. And, and tell us what's in there. Except you're not nearly <laughs> as good looking as Stephanie. Uh, somebody named John said, hi, Dave. <laughs> well, I don't mean you have to read all Breaking the news. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But if it's, a <laughs> saying. if it's a question for any of us. And uh, hi to John and hi to Dave. So uh, I got to ask you because you know it's been a while since I've been in studio. And when I used to be in studio, you were standing up. Now you're sitting right. down. You're behind the board. And so it was kind of unnatural for me to be like this and turned away from the mic. Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to stare at you? You can because I'm feeling really uncomfortable right now. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> I know you're staring, you're staring at me all day. Costa's Ka- got something to do. I'm just talking, and I'm like, you, you were, know, you, were you were looking longingly into my eyes throughout the course of the day. Today. You know, so I was kind of wondering, you know what? What the in-studio guests normally do, do they stare at you like that, or do they look at somewhere else? Well, since we've started this new configuration, we don't allow them in the studio. Okay. So, because really, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed here, but I have a lot more responsibility than I used to have. You do, you do. And that's what's led to a lot more mess-ups. And I'm definitely not looking directly in the camera, because that's just plain weird. So I just want to know where, I don't want to feel like I'm staring at you, like if I'm intimidating you or anything like that. So just tell me if I am. Eye contact between us is fine. And then uh, Mac Hoss will later take this video from Spooky TV and edit it to the tune of Endless Love. (laughs) I will. I I can sing that too, Costa, if you want. And things have certainly changed in here. I don't know if you noticed, but they've kind of, you know, the, the new owners, Town Square Media, they've spared no expense here. I really, I, they took down, like I said, they took down the, the CD uh, of, the, of the Spice Girls from the bathroom. Right, I that's now in my bathroom at the house. I was disturbed by that, but the rest of it looks pretty good. Looks yeah, like the you, equipment's gotten older. New TV. I think that's, that, that's like a museum piece over there. Yeah. But new TV, new board. New board. New computers. Uh, new feeling, new mics. I mean, yeah. We're we're good. Yeah, the mics here. I didn't notice, and you know all the cams. So, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be nice. It kind of it kind of makes you feel like I should be better than I am. Like in general, you're good enough. Specifically good enough tonight. for us. Okay, and maybe you know someday we can get them to actually install the cameras here. Yeah, it'd be permanent things, and then it'd be a lot easier. 
But, you know, we make do with the webcams that we have. So okay. Spooky TV is definitely up there. And we want to let people know, too, that Spooky TV isn't just about Spooky South Coast. There's other programming on, on the site during the course of the week. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Spirit Connections is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesday nights at Tuesday 7 nights. o'clock. Um, you know, starting pretty soon, if not this week, uh, we're going to have uh, Spooky Crossroads. Mm-hmm. Whether it is a live broadcast or not, um, will be put up there. I'm thinking about just kind of taking it more uh, towards podcast, gener- you know, the podcast generation. So it's stuff that we be recording ahead of time and mm-hmm. putting it up there and playing it at that time and then kind of moderating it the way we did a few weeks ago with, like, the, the classic Spooky South Coast episode we put up. Um <clears throat> Excuse me, just because I think it works better. It's really hard to get people on schedule. But if I can call Moniz and we can do an interview at five o'clock and I can put it up there right. about one particular topic, and then have people respond, and then I just become you know like a little you know video DJ kind of putting things up there, putting pictures of Moniz, putting pictures of whatever. Yeah, I think just that's tweet be effective. Me. <laughs> yeah, I'll tweet yeah. you too. Yeah, right. So we we know how that worked earlier this week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's we do want to mention Twitter because uh, you know Matt Costa. Has finally uh, taken the plunge. I have, I have, and joined the, into the social media pool, which actually makes you only the second tweeter of yeah. of Spooky South. I've had a Twitter account for like f- three or four years now, but you are still a more prolific tweeter than me because you really? tweeted like ten times. Really, that's good. I which guess. is probably more than I have. Yeah, but I was tweeting quite a bit um, for a few weeks. On the Spooky South Coast, uh, and then I just got bored. With well, on the Spooky guess, South Coast yeah. one, that's one thing. But right. we, we, this, the at Spooky SC on Twitter, that's the way to get us, uh, at Spooky SC. And we always have all kinds of stuff up there related to the show, and, and Matt Cost has been putting up cool facts and interesting stories that people might want to check out. But now we're you know tr- trying to tweet a little bit more as ourselves. Uh, me, I'm at Tim Weisberg, and Matt, you are at... Uh, smoking monkeys, right? And that's M O N K E E Z. Yes, it is. So, if you want to follow along with Matt, and let me tell you, you want to follow along with Matt because he puts some funny stuff up there. And uh, Chris, we got to get you to to get back on it. And, I'll sign on. on. Right. You know, I'm, I'm up to it. So, you know, Mo- Moniz will join it right as it's over, <laughs> as the tweet revolution ends. Right. Well, I think we were talking about this the other day. Um, now Twitter's dead, right? Because we're on it. Right. right, we're okay. we're killing Twitter. All right, officially. all right, we're officially killing Twitter. I always tell my is, kids this uh, is the last nail in the coffin of Twitter. Right, all when right. when Matt Costa and I are tweeting, that's when there are more parents than kids, anything has, you know, jumped the shark. So right, that's why they're all they're all not on Twitter anymore. We always figure we figure out MySpace, Facebook, and Twitter as they're going down the tubes. Right. So, but uh, yeah, definitely check along with us. And if people want to sign up for Spooky TV. I mean, we, we would welcome more programming. And we were talking about uh, maybe throwing that o- option open for paranormal groups. There's so many paranormal groups out there that want to have their own TV show. And there's not a lot of TV spots left for investigation shows. But, you know, maybe you've got some interesting cases that you've done. Maybe you've got some quirky personalities on your team and you, you want to have a chance to spotlight that. Well, Spooky TV is perfect for that because you can go out and record your investigations, edit it all together, and then you can just upload it and play it. On our network. And I think a lot of people have, uh, they feel like certain pressure, like of having to do something every week or having to do, mm-hmm. make sure that their content is like updated. But one of the things I'm finding out as I'm getting more into kind of the podcast world is that, you know, if you have uh, two things one week and nothing the next week, I mean, this kind of works because you're getting yourself out there, you're getting yourself known, uh, you're putting yourself on uh, uh, in front of people. And even if you can't do it every week, if you can do a five minute thing every week, or if you can do, you know, 20 minutes one week and then ten, five minutes another, media has changed. So the consistency and the kind of, like, everything's got to be exactly the same and your show's got to be this long. And 
that doesn't exist anymore. So I think that, you know, we've really broken down those barriers. So people, if they just want to kind of contribute to what they're doing, what they're investigating out there, what they're, the evidence that they're getting, you know, I don't really, you know, well, we've talked about whether to have a investigative, uh, uh, you know, evaluate evidence kind of thing going on. Right. Um, but even just to say what you're doing, what's going out there, I mean, a check-in. You know, we had this sure. idea... <clears throat> During the, uh, it would help if I brought you a bottle of water. Yeah, every once in a while. <laughs> Sorry, it's hot in here now. Um, this, um, you know, we were going to say we want to see how you investigate the uh, redhead hitchhiker, and we had talked about that like towards the uh, Bridgewater Triangle show, and just have people go out and just film yourself doing what you do for the redhead hitchhiker. Yeah, or, or whatever really your local idea. legend might be. Right, right, and then extend that out to the. Um, and so that's something that'd be really cool. And, and and the thing is that if you give us the content, we can kind of edit that into something. We can we can put, make you know design shows around that as well. So it's kind of cool that way. The, I mean, technology has kind of allowed us to connect with people, but it's also allowed you to be the the people who are connecting to us. And there's there's a few concerns that people have when it comes to joining up with Spooky TV and broadcasting things. One is people always want to know you know if I put something up there, does that become your property? And no, it's it's not. It's your show, right. and we're just giving you the the medium to kind of spread that message so whatever happens it's it's all you and the other question a lot of people have is about the tech side of things because they think that it must be really complicated and it's not really all that complicated to to be able to get up on the spooky tv airwaves right right and we're actually doing uh, working on some things designing some things right now to make it maybe even easier right to have kind of a a spooky south coast streaming way of doing things that that might even involve us kind of uh, going out there and producing your shows you know from uh, from a remote area the, the goal with it... Deep it, within the heart of Florida. The goal of Spooky TV and the goal of SpookySouthCoast.com is to kind of make you feel like you're part of of the family here because right. all, all of our listeners are and, and there's plenty of uh, opportunity for them to, to provide us with some interesting content that will keep people checking out the site. I mean, I know that there's certain websites that I go to every day and we want to make SpookySouthCoast.com that site for paranormal fans. Well, not only that, but I think even you know the four of us and the people who are then are extended from that, we get inspired by what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And some people uh, are afraid to show us what they're doing because they think we're spooky South Coast, and it's really not like that at all. And so, if you can actually, we can actually touch and communicate with our people more by them sending us things that we can actually use. I think it builds a community, but it also kind of makes us think like, oh, I didn't think of doing something that way, or sure. or that's something. And and and, and I think it becomes an experience where. You know, it's almost kind of like a, a communal radio and communal TV where you're influencing us, we're influencing you, we're moving the field forward. And we want people to feel that way because it's your show. Those of you who are out there in the audience and listening to this program on a regular basis, this show is for you. We're just kind of here as the, con- as the conduits for it. We're the ones that know how to press the buttons, and for the most part we know how. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're the ones that are here sacrificing ourselves the feet of the technical gods to be able to make this thing go out over the air and we're really just doing it so that you can find the answers to the questions that you have and and we can bring you topics that we think that you will find interesting and it it really is all about the audience i think i quoted you in uh, on uh, spooky crossroads but i don't think i quoted you on spooky south coast uh when you use that great line uh you are the avatar of the audience right so i think all of us here try to do that try to try to be the avatar for the audience what would the audience want to know what would the audience want to experience and then kind of offer that. And with that in mind, we need to find that out from you. So you can always get in touch with us, Spooky Crew, SpookySouthCoast.com. Hit us up on Twitter, <laughs> at Tim Weisberg, at Smoking Monkeys, at SpookySC. Those are the best ways to get us, I guess, now, right? I want to throw it out there also. If uh, people have questions, too, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Right. If mm. um, I mean, if we have the time and, I don't know, we don't 
missed the uh, email. Um, we can answer anybody's questions that they might have as far as producing shows, things like that. Sure, so. yeah. And I, I actually have uh, on one of my previous websites, wherehamradio.com, we have a great how-to broadcast on Ustream uh, th- that my friend Jay put together. So uh, we can use that kind of as a template to give people like, and just show them how easy it is to, to really just jump on there and produce a show. Now, we're not giving you the content. You know, the right. ability to host a show and, and to have the knowledge of the topic and something to talk about, that's on you. Uh, but in terms of the technical aspect of it, it's a breeze. I mean, if it was hard, there's no way we could be doing it. <laughs> I mean, if it was hard, we wouldn't broadcast it, you know, 20, if it was hard, 23 minutes try. past the hour. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, if we fully expect – we'll never get on anybody for starting their show late. Right, right. So – so uh, we are going to talk about more about our plans for Spooky South Coast for this year. And, and also, uh, I want to really get into some of the discussion about haunted objects tonight because uh, that fire has been relit under me. Big uh, time after today. Big time. And I, I couldn't have probably have found two more polar opposite cases for us to work on today. Right. Uh, and, and I think that that's part of what has me so jazzed up, too. And well, three, if you, three if you think about, although I'm thinking of three polls, but three if you think about then coming in here and having Moniz kind of do do his thing and give his discussion on some of this stuff, which was a much more straightforward scientific part, which we hadn't experienced all day today. Mm-hmm. Those three things, it's like, you know, completely different worlds. We had one case, so we walked out of it um, worried about the individual. And we had another case where we walked out laughing because we had a, a great time with, with the person who hosted right. us for the other one. So. You know, it, it was definitely a strange day <laughs> for us. <laughs> it was crazy. But we'll talk about uh, all that, uh, and we'll also take your calls. Again, 508-996-0500, Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or jump in the chat room at SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And really, like, the, the phone lines are open. I mean, Chris, we haven't had you in here in a long time. I know. People might just have questions that they want to call in and ask you. They might have Bridgewater Triangle-related questions that they may have. Uh, they may want to know more about some of your other work, such as picture yourself ghost hunting, right. picture yourself capturing ghosts on film. I mean, we definitely got some chat, some stuff we want to talk about tonight, but I uh, also think, I mean, usually when I'm on, I'm on for a specific reason. I'm right. on for you know a discussion we're having to add to it or whatever. Um, but you know, if anyone has any questions at all tonight, we can definitely take a sidetrack, take a tangent from what we're talking about to, uh, to address that, so... You know, I thought I would have people pressed up against a window here, you know, with me being in here and, and all the stuff book, like that. My book. Right, or at least it's like, I love you. Um, you know, and I understand, I'm sure there's, yeah, that's what I was yeah. hoping for. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't say I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed. I'm just, you know, I'm just, just wondering where they all are. Reality set in. Yeah, reality is set in hardcore. Well, well let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned how you join us now frequently. Um, Really, to kind of get into a specific topic, right? And do you find that there's a difference now in being, because uh, you're still on a number of other shows as a guest, right? Right. Do you find that there's a difference between being uh, just a guest in a free form type conversation interview uh, as opposed to to joining us? Is it harder to do what you're doing for us now? No, I don't think it is at all. I mean, it's it's. A, I use this term all the time, but it's advanced citizenry. I understand that the spooky South Coast audience knows me. I don't have to answer questions about. What was the scariest thing you've ever had happen? Um, how'd or something you get like started? That. How'd you get started? So, like, how'd you get started in this? Um, so, I don't have to answer those questions. I can just kind of hit the ground running, and I think automatically there's a rapport between you know between me and the rest of the crew, and so things flow very naturally. Maybe too naturally sometimes. I feel like, oh wait a minute, I didn't really prepare for what I was doing tonight. I got to go with it when I should have. 
uh, maybe done a little more research, and so it's a you know I've challenged myself to not do that as much. But I definitely find that I you know I am a, a much more comfortable in spooky south coast talking about something specific because then all the pressure is on you because i don't really have to be interesting i'm just adding to usually what a guest (laughs) is doing and and that's what's strange doing some of these other shows is you know you you have to kind of turn off host mode right and kind of not talk all over them and you you have this thought in the back of your head like gee i really want them to ask me this right or this would be a great way to segue into this and you kind of just have to let that go i got a question for you yeah since you've been doing this so many times with us and you go on some of these other shows, do you find yourself taking over the show and you be oh, totally. you yourself becoming those? Totally, totally. Only because, you know, at some point I'm like, you're not asking me good questions and I don't want to talk about that. And I want to talk about this thing because I think it's interesting or it's aggravating me right now or I'm really excited about this thing right now. And you want to know about the Bridgewater Triangle. And to everything that I love about the Bridgewater Triangle, that was like five or six years ago in my life. Like I've, I, I, I am definitely by no means the authority anymore. There are amazing researchers that are doing a lot more uh, than I am and, and what I did. Um, and you want to talk about the Hockamock Swamp. And I'm like, that is so not interesting to me at this point. I've got to steer the conversation so I totally take over. Um, and it was funny because when Tim and I were doing promotions for – uh, haunted objects. I think we took over the majority of shows we were on. We, we, we just like <laughs> all of a sudden it was. Oh yeah, there's a host. It wasn't just him and I having a conversation. But yeah, because you know, I mean, books and what I'm known for. Those are like snapshots. And you know, I can't go back to picture yourself capturing ghosts on film because I'm not really that person anymore. And so I don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. I don't want to. That's you know, I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud. Of, but I'm like, see, the eh. book's still relevant. Yeah, but my passion for it isn't, you know, and my my having being able to bring something original and fresh to the conversation isn't. So if I'm talking about, you know, if I'm talking about the ideas, like if I'm talking about the ideas about the Bridgewater Triangle, if I'm talking about the ideas of like Freetown, I can revisit Dark Woods because I think there's a lot of stuff there. And mainly I also think the question I posed at the beginning is still unanswered. So I can continue exploring it. But if people really want to talk to you about like, okay, run through the list of uh, Bigfoot sightings in the Bridgewater Triangle, that's not nearly as interesting to me because I'm beyond that. Not beyond that in a, in a snooty way, just beyond that in like a – You've oh, moved on mentally, yeah. That's yeah. so five years ago. But do you find that Nor- now- And also, I'm not anywhere near as good as other people who are doing it now. Do you find, though, that when you are removed from it like that, you are able to look at it differently than you were at the time, and maybe you'll have a, a different perspective in your own mind on it? I do. I find myself actually being more cynical, um, actually being like, a, um, um, you know, even in the Bridgewater Triangle stuff, thinking- are we making are we making minnows out of whales or whales mm-hmm. out of minnows here? I mean, are we making doing too much with this? Are we just making connections? All the things that I feel very passionately about now not being in the situation, I look at and I say, huh? When we thought when I thought those things, when I wrote about those things, was I really making connections that weren't there, or are they really there? And you know, and I think I come to the same conclusions, but I go through the journey anyway. I, looking I, at it, I got to tell you, it's been a few years. Since you, pretty much, you introduced the term Pukwudgie to the paranormal community. Right. You took something that was a Wampanoag legend and kind of brought it to the forefront and had people talking about it in terms of, uh, you know, paranormal phenomena that's happening today. And what I find to be extremely interesting about this is that Pukwudgies, oh, there's, there's the... Uh, yeah, there it is. There's, there's the original... Was the original, uh, and it's also hardcover, right? I only have the the soft cover. Can we get this? Yeah, ah, Matt, not Matt me. Can get it. Um, 
but also uh, uh, with a dust original dust jacket too. Now I feel like the haunted collector of and haunted original show. dust. Yeah, and re- yeah, can you get that on on camera that book? Oh yeah, the uh, the good giants and the, the bad puckwudgies by Gene Fritz, uh, illustrated by Tommy DePaulo, who actually uh, came and visited mm-hmm. Wareham School students Ooh. a number of years ago. Oh really? The I actually found my son has a ton of stuff by uh, Tommy DePaulo. Uh, Tons of stuff animated. So thank you, Mark. So now, that's awesome. But you kind of brought that into the to the paranormal community, and it's something that a lot of people didn't know about right. beforehand. And then they made the infamous appearance on Paranormal State, and that kind of got even an even wider audience talking about it. But I was in a chat room. I, I was on a radio show uh, last week, a internet radio show. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about haunted objects and some of my work with Legend Trips. And uh, we, I was in the chat room at the same time as the interview was going on. And I'm looking in the chat room, and there is somebody called Puckwudgy. <laughs> there is somebody called Wakpudgy. Wakpudgy. There is somebody called Duckpudgy. So there, uh, and the entire Puckwudgy Nation. Right. There is yeah. all these different names that are all takeoffs of the term Puckwudgy, and. I threw out your name. I was like, you know, Chris Balzano would be so proud. And I would get question marks. Right. Right. You know, and, and here, here's something that you were all over the place talking about. And people just don't remember the source of, of where that came from. Right, anymore. right, right. So, and I don't know. How does that make you feel to know that this term that you brought in has become, uh, you know, Puckwudgie is up there right. with poltergeist, with demon, with I mean, elemental. Really has a, has a, you know, I mean, I don't own Puckwudgie. Right. Um, I don't know, copyright. I mean, it's a little different than, you know, trying to take ownership of like a legend or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I basically, all I did was bring it to light, um, which I have, I have no problem with. I have no problem with not necessarily being associated with it in terms of that. You know, people are just renaming things that they've experienced, Puckwudgies. I think these things have always happened. They just called it something different. Before, it might have been right. a fairy encounter. Or it might have been a UFO abduction. We've had people who have kind of switched their minds on that. I just wish when people reference specific things and details that they would reference me. Right. I mean, when they're outright copying stuff from your website. Right, right. Um, you know, I always find it funny with my uh, when Puckwudgies attack on YouTube, how people attack me for not knowing things about Puckwudgies, and then they quote me me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Well, Chris Ball's on. Right. said, wait, I well, am. Chris well, no, they never use my name. It's just something that I wrote. You know, t- I mean, certain words and certain terminology that I know. Like, I'm the only person who called the Puckwudgies uh, foot soldiers. Uh, for the the darker figures, uh, and I've heard that expression used all the time. This foot soldiers, foot soldiers for the devil, uh, is what they do. And I know I know that you know you can't. I'm, I'm not Gene Simmons. I'm not going to copyright a phrase. But it can sometimes just like, hey, you know, I I I, th- I, th- I thought up that term, right? <laughs> and <laughs> you know, so but, but still, it must. But that being must... said, it's more of like. I, it, it's it's a uh, you know like a like a proud parent. It's good to see Puckwudgie's kind of rising up. Even if I'm not given any you know acknowledgement on it, it's kind of cool to see other people experiencing it and other people kind of being able to work through certain things under the or with the filter of Puckwudgie's. And, and to know that the work that you did in researching this legend, uh, and you've been able to see that kind of rise beyond your own work, and and right. now Puckwudgie's are part of the Mount Olympus of the paranormal gods. Well, I mean, I wish someone had been me. 20 years ago so when I was doing the research on it I had more foothold and I didn't um, and so I really had to dig deep into primary sources that I've now become you know people think I'm my stuff's a primary source, source but it's a secondary source um, and so I'm glad to be able to kind of give people guidelines 
and how to work with and kind of give names to things so that they can do the research because then what they're doing is they're taking experiences and they're now being able to tell those experiences because I've given them some kind of vocabulary for it. So, I mean, I feel proud of that the most. And, and stepping back into the realm of the Bridgewater Triangle for a moment, uh, you mentioned that there's a number of researchers now that are that are doing more uh, recent and, and, as you said, better work than you have uh, in triangle research. But you also were picking up the mantle from what Chris Pittman had done and, and Chris from what Lauren Coleman had done. So it seems like almost like there's this... Uh, you know, ad- advancing of the next generation when it comes to Bridgewater Triangle research. Right. Is that necessary? Do we need to get fresh eyes on it every few years? And, and is there a burnout factor in dealing with triangle cases? Um, I'm not sure if there's a burnout because it's so ver- uh, varied. Like, there's all these different kinds of cases. It never seemed to get, like, the same case twice. Um, and like I said, if you're someone like me, the questions don't get answered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pressing forward, trying to answer those or trying to even think of new questions to ask based on what you're getting is always, I think, interesting. But I think the, you know, every time someone approaches it, they're bringing their own perspective. And so some people really like to focus on the historical aspects of things. Some people like to focus on the investigative things. Some people like to focus on the Native American parts of it. And so there's really, it's, it's a big enough table for everyone to sit at. And it's really exciting to see all these people kind of coming to the table together. They don't necessarily always get along with each other, but they're producing stuff for us to kind of digest and for us to look at. Um, and so if you're into this kind of the paranormal, you can you can start looking at this person, this kind of it. You can take it from that. It's all the Bridgewater Triangle. When you put it together, it creates, a, uh, I think, a clearer picture, um, at least a, you know in terms of the stories and things like that. So you're not just getting fresh eyes. You're getting fresh angles. Fresh angles. Well. And and I think as, a, as the paranormal splits, um, you're getting uh, perspectives you wouldn't necessarily see, a Christian view of activity or a you know this kind of view of activity. And so you know, the more diverse investigators become and researchers become, the more diverse how we're looking at the Bridgewater Triangle. Only way, that's only going to make it cooler. That's only going to make it uh, and, and give us a fuller picture. And Moniz, I'd, I'd be interested in getting your opinion on this because you were investigating reports of various phenomena uh, in that area before there was such a term as Bridgewater Triangle. when Or as it was being coined, yeah. And, and as, you know, that became, but I mean, how many people read Mysterious America, you know what I mean, in, in those early days? You know, yeah. before I know that, yeah, I know that you have, but I mean, it wasn't something that was talked about on radio shows, for example, uh, you know, back then. So as it was kind of developing as a concept, did you kind of find that as like a all right, you know, this this makes sense now that now there are dots to connect here uh, when it comes to this stuff? I mean, was it did did you ever feel like it was being kind of thrust upon it, or did you feel like the idea, this concept of a triangle, came up organically amongst all the reports? I, I definitely think it was organic, uh, especially because living in the area, I I was thankful that I got all of the reports that I did constantly coming in from from every which direction. And, of course, you start looking at other books and other newspapers outside looking for, for other reports, and I wasn't finding as many as I was in in the what we now call the Bridgewater Triangle area. So, And I think, you know, is this the chicken or the egg? Did I wind up becoming interested in this stuff because it was so prolific or, you know, Right, right. Did this stuff wind up coming to me because it's, you know, so prolific? It, right. it, it definitely seems like uh, now, because we are more open to talking about it, you know, and, and we always talk about the ever-expanding definition of the triangle, 
that now it's it's almost like if something happens, we want to expand the triangle so that it can encompass that too. <laughs> right, right. You know, and it's like, at what point do we just stop putting that tag on it and start saying, you know, holy crap, this paranormal stuff's just everywhere. Right, and, and I think it's important to take case by case um, in terms of, you know, how far can it expand or do we need a standardized definition of what is a, a what is a Bridgewater Triangle haunt? Like, what does it need to have the essence of the triangle? And uh, I've just been really anti-standardization of anything having to do with the paranormal lately. And so I really feel like if you think it's a Bridgewater Even Triangle unity? thing. Uh, especially unity. Unity, unity. <laughs> unity. Uh, B-A-L-Z-A-N-O does not support paranormal unity. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, it's up to you to say, huh, here's some really interesting stuff. It might be in the context of this bigger thing. It might not be. Hey, wow, let's look at this. If it is, it's like this. If it isn't, it's like this. I mean, that's kind of like an intellectual debate you can have when, as opposed to making it just kind of like, let's try to jam everything into to the Bridgewater Triangle because it's the most popular paranormal thing that's in this area. And uh, I think maybe we can, if we want to, we can maybe kick around the idea of the paranormal unity a little bit in the second hour because we only got a couple minutes here before the... <laughs> For the news break here, but I, I just want to clar- let you clarify one thing. Yeah. You said that you're not for paranormal unity, but right. that, that doesn't mean that you're for people fighting with each other and disrespecting one another. You're just saying we don't all have to be on the same page, right? And we'll be back after the break. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you want people to crap all over each other? Because I don't know about you, but are you, I, are you really, I kind of like it. Are you really putting me on the spot? I mean, do you want me to answer, answer honestly? I, I mean, just want like, you to say, like, you don't want anybody to, I like, don't care. murder each other. Over I don't, yeah, evidence. don't care, but I don't care. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you think of another group. I don't care if two groups don't get along. How does that impact me whatsoever? That's so uninteresting to me, and I'm tired of talking. Not in terms of you and I, I talking about it, but, like, I'm tired of talking about it. It's a stupid thing. I don't it, care I don't care about distra- your evidence. I don't care about what you're doing, and if, you, if, you're, not, if you're not being respectful, then I'm not going to, like, sit and cry about it. I could care less about paranormal unity because you're saying it detracts from the subject matter at hand everybody's fighting about who did what and rather see, than i really than i really dis- i don't think it distracts from the subject matter at all because the outside world doesn't care that there's infighting and the inside world is going to love it anyway so i don't think it actually distracts i think it's i mean we've always fallen back on that argument that well what happens to one person yeah i think if there's a paranormal investigator and he goes up there and he kills 27 people People are going to, from the outside world, are going to look like, oh my word, I wonder if this is something that all paranormal investigators do. But I think two groups pissing over each other about something that happened between them impacts no one. It doesn't affect my life unless I don't get, unless I get involved, and it definitely doesn't affect, you know, what you always traditionally say, the four-year-old housewife who enjoys paranormal media. Right. Well, as I said, we can maybe kick that around a little bit more in the second hour. I don't want to delve too much into it and and start and all. You woke of, me up with that you know, a little bit. You see that? I kind of was like, contest. Yeah, Virgil Triangle. That's awesome. But then all of a sudden, you said that, and I'm like, no, no, I'm getting. On I, I, it, so. I do think I think that that reaction warrants a little bit more conversation <laughs> about it, and uh, and we'll get your thoughts too. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. One eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. Spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com. But we also will discuss the idea of haunted objects, right? And we'll talk specifically about the ones that we uh, checked out today, and we'll show those photos on Spooky TV as well. So go to spookysouthcoast.com, click on the live show tab up at the top, and then go to the drop down menu and select the Spooky TV with Spooky Chat Feed, whatever it says there, and you'll be able to actually see what's going on here in the studio and uh, follow along with everybody in the chat room. 
you can post your questions there as well and, and just meet some great people. We love our chat room fans. Love the chat room. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a highlight of my weekend. Wonderful people in there each and every week. Yeah. Big supporters of the show. And uh, so we are going to take a break for the news. When we come back, we will have plenty more for you here on Spooky South Coast. The station, the South <laughs> WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back. Our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz, and content director, Chris Balzano, our in-studio guest tonight, all the way up from... Dumpwater, Florida? No? Is that... <laughs> Armpit, Florida? Dumpwater, that's where the Bundy stayed, right? Right. And if you're not on Spooky TV, you missed my wardrobe change during the last break, so, you know, I've now had to take off a layer because things are getting a little heated in here. Right, <clears throat> and they're going to continue to get heated because I want to get back into this topic <laughs> that we started on before right, the news break right. about paranormal unity. Now, okay. if you go back a few years ago, okay, Matt Costa and I, we... Did a little show in my office, my home office, called How Junior High is the Paranormal. And this was like in, what, like 2007? Yeah. That we were talking about this? And uh, I, I was in studio for that. I, I think. think. Yeah. No, I think you were on the phone. Oh, was I? Okay. Yeah. I think, wasn't okay. that, that was the night that Danvers burned down. Oh, was it? I think okay. so. I thought that was the night we had um, um, Danielle Garrison on as well. And I was in here for that. No, that was another uh, time that was we another, that. <laughs> there was yes, another time we discussed yeah, how we, we we've how, done this a few times. Junior high though. And we, we came into the actually we were gonna make it an annual show, remember? That was the plan. And we Until we, you realize nothing changed every single year. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that's what happened is is we started to realize that even talking about this uh, we, we like to put ourselves on a soapbox sometimes, and right. we like to think that we have like some kind of a lofty position in the paranormal, that we have a voice that people will listen to, right, right. and that we feel like we need to take up some issues and, and try and further them uh, as causes within the paranormal field. That works out great when we're talking about something like cemetery awareness, where we want paranormal groups to go back and clean up cemeteries, and uh, or if we're talking about you know helping raising money to, to restore a historic building. Right. Uh, but when we're asking people to kind of stop the backstabbing and the bitching and everything else and kind of just move beyond that, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm starting to think it's because it, it has nothing to do with the paranormal field, right. as we like to think that it does. And it just has everything to do with people. People. And that's just how it is. Right. Uh, Moniz, you know, you work in, in the field of science, and I'm sure that you've dealt with people who have, you know, done similar moves, stabbed each other in the back, and and uh, and totally steamrolled somebody else to help their own cause. And The paranormal cannot hold a candle to the science <laughs> community when it comes to being junior high. Well, then there you or go. Or the academic community, for that matter. Right. You know, I mean, the same thing exists, you know, in the school systems and... And, uh, and and just people I mean that's even more intensified when you get into college and people trying to publish uh, papers on academic subjects and things like that I mean it's, it's in every corner I mean you guys me Pittman we've all worked in uh, restaurants <laughs> same right. exact thing happens in restaurants I mean it's not you know we're not calling for you know unity amongst all sub makers and yet you know we feel like we can forward something by by working together on this and I 
I, you know, <clears throat> I guess I hold that I really think, and I'll let you finish your point if you want, but so feel free to interrupt me at any time. But I have no point. Go the, ahead. Okay, good. <clears throat> I think the paranormal begins with a question, and I think that question is something that is um, immensely personal. And I think the problem is is that we've shifted it to we are trying to do something all together. And I think that's not, I think that's not uh, accurate to what people are doing. Um, there are those people, and I think this is where a lot of that comes from, that are looking to get some kind of credibility for what we do. Um, and I think that there's people who, there are people who want to uh, convince people, uh, both of which have never really been my focus. Um, and I think that when you try to do that, you're now going from trying to answer a personal question for yourself to convincing other people. And so now you're spending your time, you know, kind of trying to bail out the ocean uh, with getting to change people's minds or getting to people to, you know, it's always good to challenge people and get people to think something different or like, hey, well, maybe just have you ever considered this? But trying to, um, you know, get, get you know, the, the science of the paranormal taught in schools or things like that, I think that's it's not only is it not necessarily productive, but I think it causes this kind of frustration and it causes this kind of backstabbing because then you're looking for the ultimate piece of something that does that. And once you start looking for the ultimate piece of, of evidence, for example, um, then you start having competition for that. And I don't think competition is necessarily a bad thing, but the problem is, is that it, it, it creates something – It creates you, to, to do that, you have to have a standard for what the perfect thing is. Right. Well, now you're asking a whole bunch of people who began, hopefully, with a personal question – to, to conform to what someone else believes about the paranormal. Sure. And when three people agree and one person doesn't agree, all of a sudden you now have a balanced shift of power, which is the very definition of bullying uh, you know, that we learn in the school system. And now nothing but infighting is, is kind of uh, uh, you know, being begged. <laughs> you know, like, let's, okay, let's fight about stuff then. Well, we'll put it out there. We'll, we'll open the phones and we'll talk about this for a little bit if, if you want to. 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420. Just what are your thoughts on the whole idea of needing to have unity in the paranormal field? But I think I've got a pretty good analogy for you okay. of, of how to look at the paranormal and maybe give people an understanding more about why this infighting, this drama, this whatever kind of just comes with the territory. Okay. Now... I'm not talking about character assassination and things like that. That kind of stuff goes beyond what we're talking about. Uh, you know, if somebody targets another person and decides to make it their own personal quest to ruin that person's life, you know, that goes beyond just what we're, we're talking about. We're talking about right. the need for everybody to hold hands and sing kumbaya and to not step on each other's toes. We're not talking about vicious personal attacks. We're not talking about slander. We're not talking about... You know these these more serious things. Like I, I don't want to start mentioning names and get into it, but we know that there was a f- right. infamous incident a few months ago where it quickly devolved past just paranormal disunity and went into to something far darker than that. But in terms of just this whole, you know, why can't we all just get along scenario? Let's liken this to uh, a professional sports locker room. Okay. All right. Let's use the Red Sox clubhouse for for an example. In that Red Sox clubhouse, you've got probably, I don't know, let's just say 100 writers uh, all trying to have a different take on the same story. Right. They're all trying to put their personal stamp on what's happening. Only one game took place on that field, but there's going to be 100 different interpretations of that one game. 
And with that, it's going to be colored by the personal experiences of the, of the people who observed it, uh, their own preconceived notions, their own preconceived thoughts. So automatically, just in the job of reporting the incident, you've got objectivity that's through a subjective lens, right. if you follow what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now the game is over, the locker room is open, the clubhouse in this matter is open, and all those people are now jockeying for position to get the deeper meaning behind that story. So everybody is crowded around Dustin Pedroia's locker to try to be the one person that gets that, or, or the one person that asks that question, or to maybe just be amongst the elite few who are there when that happens. Now, in order for this to take place, I can tell you that what happens is, uh, you know, you're going to get one reporter that's going to go up there, then four or five are all going to convene around, then they know is coming, so then 40 of them will all convene around. And they're all trying to get some kind of information. In some cases, uh, what you'll have is you'll have one guy who has become a buddy of Pedroia's and who will go over there and kind of get that exclusive. And he'll get a little bit more stuff in depth than the general unwashed mass that's going to come up there and converge in the scrum. So, you know, look at the stars of the team as being like these locations that people want to investigate. All right, some people have develop that relationship and foster that relationship, they're going to get a little bit more than the average person would get. You know, we're going to get a little bit more from Lizzie Borden's than somebody else might get because we've developed a relationship and a friendship and we've worked at that. You know, that's not something that we take lightly and that's not something that we've taken advantage of. It's, we are not friends with Leanne because we just want access to Lizzie Borden's. We like her as a person. And we would hang out with her if she had nothing to do with that place. And these writers in Pedroy, you know, they might have that type of relationship too. But because they have that relationship, they might have a little bit more access. So what happens is now the 40 or 50 other people that didn't get that kind of access, that jealousy will happen. You know, but in our line of business, we just look at it as, well, that's what happens. You know, these guys have fostered those relationships and that's what happens. The rest of us, we just get the little soundbite stuff. And... That goes on throughout the course of an entire sports season, and it's the same thing with the paranormal. You know, some people have uh, a little bit more of a connection, and other people resent them for that. And instead of just taking that as a professional pitfall, as we would in a locker room, you know, it becomes this personal thing. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why we can put that into our professional lives. And we all have that happen. We all know that there's somebody who, you know, sucks up to the boss and gets everything that they want. And sure, we bitch about it. But what are we really going to do about it? We just want to show up, do our job, and go home. Right. And the paranormal, people can't seem to do that. They can't just show up, <laughs> do their job, and go home. they got to constantly harp on the one guy that seems to be getting more than they have. And they want to know why why they're getting a, a, a better ride handed to them right. when you work just as hard. You know, and just toss up your hands and say, what can you do? And of course, the 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 you know other part of that is that in the paranormal world, you don't have to go to Pedroia to get it. You know, I mean, in the paranormal world, you don't have to uh, go to Waverly Hills to understand understand the paranormal. Um, these places are great. You know, I'm saying the the like I said before, the paranormal does need its landmarks, but you can be doing so much more that doesn't involve that. That helps to forward whatever kind of question you're asking about mm-hmm. the paranormal. Um, and so the problem is is that we've been taught and we've been fed that these are the places that we need to go to. These are the meccas that we need to visit. And yet I really, you know, I wonder how much it, – it's great in terms of keeping the spark alive, creating the folklore of the paranormal in, in, in terms of a, a national or global perspective – what is it really doing to help people? What is it really doing to help individual investigators? Right. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to go there and you're not going to get good evidence, 
but what new thing has that has that done for you and 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 for the, this field that you supposedly want unified? And I'm just using the locations no, as part you. of that analogy. I mean, it it could really stand for anything where you know you're you're getting that that inside perspective to things, right. and you know, in a locker. But the room, thing is that you can get inside perspective in the paranormal by searching yourself, by trying to communicate with spirits uh, in an everyday life kind of situation, by trying to. Uh, um, um, you know, read and research someplace that might be less well known that's haunted. You can do those things, and, and people don't. Instead, they want to like you know fight for these crumbs. When it's like, dude, the, the ghosts are all around us. The paranormal's all around us. There are so many stories, um, and I think the best investigators are the ones that are bringing up you know newer things, or even going back to really old cases that people haven't looked at for years with a new perspective. That's interesting to me, right? You telling, you showing me your fifteen, um, you know, uh, uh, EVPs from a Lizzie Borden session, not really doing it for me anymore. I, I think the problem with paranormal groups is that there's too much emphasis on the group and not enough on the paranormal. Right. You know, it's more about having the team and, and having the team dynamic necessarily than it is finding the answers. And maybe we can blame some of that on what you're talking about—the fact that people need to have that experience and have those questions answered for them. And then maybe once they do have the answer to that question, uh, that's when they've decided to, to focus more on the other stuff. Because, okay, the paranormal's real. Now I have to make sure that we're the people that are best positioned to prove that to everybody else. It's shifted from science to socialization. And that's really what it is. I mean, it's really... It, it's a fa- I'm surprised that there aren't more sociologists that look right. at the paranormal field. Because we've had conversations, and, and we've talked about it on Spooky Crossroads, about the cross-section of the paranormal population, right. and, and who it is, and, and the type of personalities that we're dealing with, and there seems to be a lot of the, what would be the opposite of an alpha personality? Um, an omega personality? <laughs> there seems to be, a lo- is that even a term? Omega? person? No, we just coined it. Copyright. There's, there seems to Copyright be... Copyright Spooky South Coast two, uh, 2019. Yeah, there's a or lot 13. A lot more... 13. I'm a time traveler. Uh, without being politically incorrect, there's a lot more Indians than there are chiefs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who just want to belong and, and have that feeling within the group. And there are the select few who want to lead the group. And, and there are plenty of custers out there, too. All right, <laughs> well, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let me, let me take what Mooney's just said. Like, it's gone from science to socialization... Begs the question: What if we take out the science? Do you think that there would be as much fighting and as much uh, backstabbing if we weren't trying to attack these things or look at these things from a scientific perspective? Yes, I don't. I don't so think the science. Let's has get rid of. The, to do let's with get rid. Let's take science out of the paranormal and see what happens. Let's put it back in the hands of uh, of, of the emotion. Let's put it back in the hands of the story. Let's put our you know detectors down. Uh, let's search uh, for a different way. Moniz is dying to get on the mic. I see yeah. him over there. Right. Wah, uh, uh. So, no, because, I mean, well, th- the first point I'm making is a lot of people think they're doing science and they really aren't. So right. you're true. right, in a sense, if you're not. Because in science, things are standardized. And. <sighs> sorry, standardization. I'm sorry, what are you saying? <laughs> Says the I guy mean, who I, runs the standardized test instead of school. <laughs> Which I hate, by the way. I mean, That's <laughs> all right. I, I fell asleep when you started talking baseball, so I get oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well let, me ask, let me ask you this. Like, you, earlier tonight. Um, when we were we work on uh, haunted objects, which was kind of expanded to be kind of you know uh, supernatural paranormal objects, and you brought out the Betty Hill uh, dress samples. Yeah. Based on what you found there, what do we now know about aliens? Well, 
if we were to assume that what we saw in the effects are are from that, I I can say that certain things that they have are. Well, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. like, and and that is how compelling is that? These are samples that have been tampered with somehow. And what do we know from that? We know that we know that some of their stuff affects things in this manner. Guess same what? Same thing we did with the. Guess soil. what? I can look at that and say the same thing, or I can more importantly, I can talk but to the them. F- the fact now, is that it's altered. To, to me, the fact that it's altered shows that there's s- something to it. What? What? And why right. is where where can, we still need you, to go? Vis- can you visually see that they're altered? Yes. Well, you've seen the sample. So I mean, so what does further investigation tell us? You know what I'm saying? It, it hasn't, and I'll, maybe that's a little bit of a different case because I mean, you know, that's something where um, um, it was changed so dramatically that you really want to get, and and maybe at the end of that there was an answer and that we could know. But even if we did, even if we were able to analyze that to the point that we got the specific chemical or, or, or physical reaction that caused that, that means that at that moment, at that place, with that dress, with that set of potential uh, terrestrial extra or not. This is was the circumstance, but that doesn't really tell us any more information about life on other planets, how they get here, all these kinds of things, which we still struggle with that question. How that was 1969? Did you 63? Oh no, no, 1963. 1963. So we're now talking 50 years ago. We understand nothing more about that case, even though we've really, with the great research that you've done, and other people have really kind of attacked that from all perspectives. What do we now know today? in 2019 or 13, whichever year it is, that we didn't know then that has benefited us as a society, benefited us as a, as a paranormal community, benefited us, you know, and, and there are answers to that, and you would have yeah. them. But is it really well, that, you know, if we, instead of we had spent that time kind of... Let, let's put aside the fact that, um, I, I hate to say this and use this term, but a lot of the science that is involved in the paranormal is pseudoscience. A lot of it is not following the scientific method uh, and a lot of it is kind of misusing and misrepresenting science haven't uh, I been saying that for a long right time. but let's let's just put that aside for right now uh, and, and just keep that scientific pursuit is part of the discussion so we're talking about the intentions of exploring right. it scientifically not the fact that it's it's not so actually happening that way the, the intent of, of why they're right. why they're investigating so you want to pull that away from investigation on its own and the problem with that is for one that's not what the that's tv shows do chris <laughs> well that's also maybe not investigation that's more research or and, whatever than and, and and so take it from experimentation to experience and, and if I you really do that show Right. If you do that, then what type of measuring stick do they have to use against one another? These groups, you know, what what becomes your basis of comparison? Then you know, you had a weirder experience than I I did. But see, there is no there is no comparison. It's just a sharing of experiences. Because you can't because you can't put that under a, under a microscope and look at it. It just becomes here's what I experienced. What did you experience? Wow, we've now shared our experiences. You can't say to someone, "No, you didn't. You didn't experience that." They it's did. like two people talking about what they felt about a rock concert they just went to. Right. Excellent example. That, I mean, I mean it's, what you're talking so in about. Other words, there's no fighting because there ain't nothing to fight about. What you're talking about, though, would be I would think would be akin to, you know, the era of spiritualism. When it was more about what you were experiencing as a group, and 
mm, some people believed it, most people didn't. Right. And and without that, you lose, I guess, the credibility in the eyes of many people uh, for what you're doing because now you're just the weirdos going out there, you know, feeling right. ghosts. Because we've done such a great job in the past ten years of building credibility. I would say that we at least think that we do. We right. think that we're going in there with a little bit more okay. credibility because we're bringing these devices. And also, what is the measuring stick? You know, in terms of, you know, my bag of toys is better than your bag of toys. Okay, can I put in on this? What are all of these pieces of equipment that are people are bringing in? They're bringing in recorders. They're bringing in cameras. They're bringing in EMF detectors and thermocouples. They're bringing in ion meters, okay, with an with a recorder. That is just an extension of your ears. With the right. camera, it's just the extension of your eyes. Exactly. With the uh, ion meter, it's, it, it's your sense of smell because that's how smell works. With the uh, thermocouple and the EMF meters, that's your galvanic response of your skin. And if you're tasting a ghost, you got issues. <laughs> but but it's just extension they of your natural good. experiences. That's all the equipment that well, they use are. Uh, yeah, but the unfortunate thing is those extensions sometimes block out your natural ones, which are much more highly well, tuned. But for those that extensions are also more of a um, more of an acceptable way to quantify that experience, right? Because the equipment, if is, you're trying to prove something, right. Because, or it's easier to record from these pieces of equipment. I can't record what you know my own sense of smell. Right. So well, you can. You can record your reaction to it, right? But I might not believe it. That's the problem. Yeah. Is, is they? Th- it's, th- not, it's not um, objective. The 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 thing about it is it, the uh, the way that it's perceived is that here is this data that I received from this equipment, so now you can't argue with it. And what they don't realize is that yes, they're, you can. they're probably utilizing that piece of equipment wrong, <laughs> first of all. I mean, I, I've seen so many people who have used a K2 session as you know outright proof that there was something there making contact. Well, if you've ever picked up a K2 and shaken it, all those lights are going to light up. You know, the, the, those things are not a perfect... Have, well, how many times have you gone, gone on investigations? I've seen this all the time. The EMFs meters start to go off, and you got the person behind them sitting there texting their friend back. We've got activity going on, and then the next thing you know, the EMF meter is going off again, or the K two is. Or I've off got again. my camera right here, and my EMF detector is going off as I bring it closer to my camera. You know, but uh, again, I, and I, I think that to, to clarify, I think um, at least those two pieces of equipment. I think I think a camera and a and a, and a tape recorder. Um, those are recording the experiences. Well, do you uh, remember? When we start bringing other things in, then all of a sudden now we're trying to analyze the situation. Um, you know, because I think that if you're trying to capture uh, um, an EVP, I think that may, that's a noble pursuit. But that ain't science. That's you hitting a, a button. That's not you applying anything. When Then when you start to say, well, this worked because of this. I mean, we know. We were talking about today. Some people like noise. Some people don't like noise. Some mm-hmm. people like analog. Some people like digital. Some people like this. Some people like that. Let's start arguing about what is the best way and say, for this person, this is what they got. Here are the conditions. So there you are with that. Other than that, let's roll with it. I mean, it's, this is what they got. Because then all of a sudden you get like, well, that's not the right way to do it. It's wrong because it wasn't the right way as opposed to this is what was gotten. And, and how did we go from the days when we brought a camera with us on an investigation, a video camera? to document the process of the investigation right. and to kind of be able to use that to rule out 
other things, you know? Nice we think we got an EMF. Oh, but on the camera, you know, you can clearly see that you backed into the door right there. Right. You know, uh, and uh, we used to use that equipment to document the process instead of kind of turning the cameras around and, and now trying to use that to document the evidence. And it's it's almost like for a team to exist and exist successfully, you almost need to have that quote-unquote TV show set up. You have to have your investigators who are going around with your equipment and then the other members of the team who are recording them going through that process right? Uh, in order to really eliminate all the variables. But again, I don't think equipment is the basis of paranormal unity. I think really what it is is it's just the simple fact that people can't accept that somebody else may do something differently than you. Somebody else may do something better than you. Uh, somebody else may have just a different technique that yields more results. Right. So I got into a um, just a little bit of a tiff this week and kind of fits into this with someone who said um, something to the effect of check out my page to see whether you like the members' bios and tell me whether we've done something appropriate or some, something to that effect. And I responded back to her. Well, actually, I think it was a him. I have an idea. How about not having a bios? How about letting whatever evidence you've gotten – if you, that's where you want to roll, or just like the cases you talk about, your ideas stand for themselves. And I was like, all of a sudden, the piranhas were at me. Right. And I was like, well, don't you think people need to feel confident? You know, if they're going into a team, they need to know the team better. I'm like, okay, first of all, if you're looking at pictures on the internet, right, and you are doing, I feel confident because I've read that person's bio and I've seen a picture of them. You obviously have not watched any of those episodes of The Craigslist Killer. Well, secondly, what I my, and that was my non-response. That was my response that I deleted. The response I put out was, I have an idea. How about if you say, let's meet a neutral site. Let's talk for a few hours about what we experienced. Don't you think that's going – as opposed to we're coming in with our cameras and our meters blaring you know, and blazing and we're going to investigate this. And you're going to build a rapport with them before you get there. How about, you know what? Why don't I take you out for coffee? Tell me what happened. Tell me what you're experiencing. And we'll talk for a little bit. I think that puts the quote-unquote client at ease a lot more than – you know, a two-minute bio that all of them sound exactly the same. I think the the good thing about the bio is it gives you a chance to see who that person is, and as long as everything's on the up and up and everything's honest in the bio, you know, you can. Who's who's the person who's checking that? I know, but I'm saying as long as it is, then that gives the the again, quote unquote, client the opportunity to to look at that name, do a Google search, see what comes up when they get that name, see if there's a mug shot if it matches that person's face. <laughs> you know, whether they're on I, the, yeah, the registry or not. I think it serves that purpose in terms of of uh, you know, maybe making the the residential homeowner feel a little bit more at ease about inviting these strangers into their into their home. Uh, again, kind of the same thing they could do over a cup of coffee. But I think the other reason is, and the reason that nobody will admit to is, if they have that picture of themselves and they have that bio up of themselves, now they're somebody. Get you out. And that's that's, kind of, that kind of was my point in saying. And that's what, that's what being part of the paranormal is for a lot of people. It's about being somebody. I challenge you to go on Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads. And I get a significant amount of hits, and that's been up for almost, over 10 years now. You find a bio of me on there. Find a reference to me other than buy Christopher Balzano on it. Right. You're not going to find it. Now, I'm not saying that's the model for everybody. Not a, Like I said, this starts with a question that you ask. But from the beginning, I never made it about me. Costa was trying to find pictures of me on the internet. <laughs> it's the same five pictures, right? I mean, I'm not saying that, once again, that I'm a model for things doing it. But I like to think of myself as someone who is fairly successful. I've got several books <laughs> that have published. 
Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm allowed to come in here and talk to some of the greatest guys that I've ever known about the paranormal and have a really good time doing it. I'm able to talk to people uh, around the country and around the world on different radio shows and things like that. I mean, I've got a, I've got a little bit of a name. Not a lot, big, big name, but a, but a, a nice little niche, a nice little, little place in the paranormal without promoting myself. Instead, just being truthful, being honest, going about the right way, and working hard. Why have we forgotten that? Well, but and more importantly, why do I need to get along with you to do that? If I want to, if I want to succeed in any kind of business, I get along with everybody, right? I become the low hanging fruit. I become easier to work with. Things like this. It has nothing to do with like we have to. We have to stand together for me to do that. Do what you do well, and the cream rises to the top. But for every Chris Balzano, Matt Moniz, Dave Francis, April Slaughter, there's also a, a Jeff Belanger, a Lloyd Auerbach, a Rosemary Ellen Guiley. You know, there's all these people who are out there, John Zaffis, uh, who that works for them too. I, I just think that there's certain um, certain personalities within the field. And find, I mean personality me, by personality find type. Find me a, a reference to Jeff Belanger on Ghost Village. That's not – click on jeffbelanger.com to learn more about Jeff Belanger. Right, but that's his particular – set up for his website. But I mean right, in I terms mean, of being an out there personality, that works for him. You know, being at every convention and, and being a go-to talking which is, head. Which is completely fine, but he doesn't introduce, like, hi, I'm just Belanger. No, he does the stuff, and people are drawn to him based on the nature of it, not based on his name. But these people who are getting involved in it, you know, some of them want to be like you, and some of them want to be like No one wants like to Jeff. be like me. No, but they want to be that behind-the-scenes kind of, you know, let the work stand for itself. And some people want to be like, I really want to be out there and be a talking head. Right. And both type of personalities are what would benefit a group. And Ghost Introvert Village, and extrovert. Ghost, really? And Ghost Village has been out, uh, was created in 1999. That's 14 years ago. Rosemary Ellen Galley, I think, invented the word paranormal. She's been doing it so long. 1899. You know what I'm saying? Like, John is kind of... You know. No offense, Rosemary. We love you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, John Zaffis kind of worked his way up, and for a long time he was in the shadow. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is that th- these people who are the other side of what Christopher Balzano does are people who work really long and really hard. No one works hard in the paranormal no, than I'm Jeff Belanger. I'm not saying that you know those saying? people no didn't one, work hard. No one does more research than Rose, uh, Rose, uh, whatever her name Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. It's really late. Um, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's not because they had amazing, splashing personality and put their names on everything that they became names. They became names because they just had a ton of work to draw from. But I'm saying some people, that is the avenue that they can go down. And some people, the avenue is to go the other way. You know, Moniz, we dragged him kicking and screaming out of the shadows to come here and be part of this. And uh, it took he – was he's he's been – uh, you know, part of the show since our second month on the air, and it might have been the fourth month on the air before he actually started talking. <laughs> right. You know, it, it took that much uh, to get out of him. And it's just everybody is kind of drawn to their own strengths. Right. And I think that there's room for both sides of that. And I think what happens is is you get some people who are of one ilk, and they tend to resent somebody who is of the other ilk. Because, I, I mean, I can't stand Jeff Belanger. I hate that guy. I hate Chris Balzano. I hate I that hate, guy. I hate all of you. No, I but I, you. in all seriousness. I don't want to unify with any of you. In all seriousness, I think what that's the where... the opposite of unify? De unify? I think the opposite Separate? of unify would be... Uh, Crush? Decimate? 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 We're, we're, looking, we're looking at... I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, trying to tell someone who, who does stupid things like that to not do stupid things like that is really shouting at the wind. I mean... Right. Paranormal unity will take care of itself if people get along. If people don't get along, guess what? I don't care. Then you know what? I'm not going to talk to you. 
You know, if I've got a kid, if I've got, you know, uh, tell my son all the time, if there's a bully or someone who's picking on you, walk away from him. And, and I'll, I'll say another you thing, know, too. And you know what happens? That person does that to enough people, all of a sudden that dude's shouting at a wall by himself and all the other kids are off playing. If we put a 30-day ban on using the term paranormal unity, yeah. we're going to come out on the other side of that after a month with everybody getting along <laughs> a lot With everybody better. getting along, right. It's, I mean, it's amazing how that works. And more importantly, like I think competition is a good thing. I don't think that there's any – in any other – we talked about this before and you were, I were in that chat room getting attacked about it. In no other place in the world can you say competition – and have it be a dirty word. Like, from right. the paranormal, it's a dirty word. In every other aspect of life, it's an amazing thing. I've got these kids, remedial kids, right? And they're struggling to understand the math that I'm teaching them. And I'm working my hardest. And now they're working their hardest. And I've got two kids who have kind of fired up this thing. And they're in competition with each other. They're in competition with each other for a B. It's not even like they're an A. They're just like, I've got an 81. Well, I've got an 82. And they're f- and that's kind of fed off the other kids. Because then the other kid's like, well, you know what? I've got a 78. And I'm going to nail this thing. And I'm going to pass you guys at the last moment. And all of a sudden, this great, great sportsmanship and be- great uh, competition has arisen from this. And guess what? These kids are now passing. They weren't passing. Now they're mm-hmm. passing because of competition competition is good hey i've got a healthy respect for george nori for art bell for dave schrader for everybody else who does what i do in in the world of the paranormal and we'll we'll, we'll say we'll include nori in the paranormal world for the sake of this discussion <laughs> the discussion but you know i have an immense amount of respect these guys are, are people that i know people that i'm friendly with and and not that i'm saying that i know art bell but you know i'm just saying like these are these are people who i consider to be uh you know the best of the best at, at what they do, uh, but that doesn't mean that even though we get along and we can right. have that healthy respect for each other, that you know if the coast to coast job came open right away, I wouldn't be like I want that job, I deserve that job, right? You know, or if there could only be one paranormal show left standing, that I wouldn't want it to be mine, and or that or that when we're talking about okay, well, who's going to get for for this week. Be like, wow, we got to get this person before someone else gets them. This is a really interesting thing is happening. Let's right. get them first. And and, you know, so, and, and a lot of that competition is in our own mind. We're not competing against those other shows. They're not up against us. They're not taking away our airtime. People can listen to both shows, and, and many people do listen to all of those shows. Uh, but we create that competition in our mind because it drives us. Because what happens be if we don't have that competition? We become complacent. We become lazy. So my opinion is if you're a paranormal group that's out there that doesn't want to have to stack yourself up against somebody else – and, and doesn't want to look at what somebody else does and have that drive you, then you're lazy. Get the hell out of the field because you're not willing to try harder. Right. right. All right, that's enough of that. Let's move on to haunted objects and talk. We went over way more than I wanted to on that, too. Uh, <laughs> so we've got about 20 minutes left. So let's talk about haunted objects and our experiences today. Uh, again, we, we're not really going to get too much into what we were doing, but we'll just call this a media project. Right. That hopefully turns into something bigger. Right. Um, but the We're focus not. was on going out and examining some some true life haunted objects, and uh, I put the call out there. Anybody that follows me on Facebook or Twitter, and uh, you realize that I've been asking, you know, for a couple of weeks now, if we could get some really good stories. And as I told you, I knew what happened. I got some stories trickling at the beginning that were kind of borderline, and then as we got closer, you know, we hit on the good stories. Right. And one of the stories that we did is we went and we checked out. Uh, a, a chair, a haunted, possessed. There's something attached to this chair. Yeah. And and the gentleman who uh, who owns this chair, we'll call him Theodore. Uh, he had it in his possession, and uh, uh, I think Matt can actually run some of these photos uh, up on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. He purchased this chair from an antique store. 
he spent way more money than he could afford to spend on it. He, he purchased it after being obsessed with it for a while. Right. He saw it, went right. home, thought about it, couldn't stop thinking about it, and finally had to go and, and purchase it. And it's a, it's a Victorian era chair. It's horsehair stuffed. It's a deep maroon color, and it has two, I guess, like gargoyle-type sculptures at the end of each arm. Moniz, you have a description of what they are? You told me uh, earlier that, that you thought they were very much I, like... I, they remind me of um, Asian. Uh, they are the the lion dogs they used the to guard dogs. outside the palace. That's, that's what was Moniz's. And, and these, the, this chair, it called to him, and he, he bought it. And he had it in his home, and he said that when he would sit in it, he would be prone to bouts of depression, which was very uncharacteristic for him. And he said that he had it for about five years, and it wreaked havoc on his life. And that when he finally got rid of it, and he got away from it, uh, and he just left it behind, essentially, uh, he was able to kind of break himself free of all that negativity in his life. And Chris and I have been around a lot of people with haunted objects over the years, and I've never seen somebody never. as as terrified as this. I mean, he, he he first he backed out of coming down and showing it to us um, several times. We had to kind of talk him into it. He was having, and I don't know if it's related, uh, but he was having car issues. He was having cell phone issues uh, since we decided to start. Hopefully, you know, having him come down and show this to us. So, I I, I mean, I'm talking. We saw a look of. Sheer terror in his eyes. There is when he was being, in the same There's room, being scared. There's being scared to the point that you scream. You know, you see something, you scream. It's a natural reaction. Whatever was impacting him, whatever he was feeling, was so strong and so beyond being scared of something. He couldn't think. He couldn't connect A and B. He couldn't communicate what he was even thinking about talking about. It was impacting him that much that he was sitting there. I'm almost like. And tears, kind of even thinking about it, because it was very, very emotional. Mm. Um, um, he couldn't communicate. That being in the presence of that chair stripped him of of his humanity, stripped him of of what made him him. And and I actually felt there feeling like the biggest heel in the world because I made him come down and, and relive that and go through that. Yeah, he said yeah. he hadn't laid eyes on it in two years. But I think that that, that might have been, and we we talked about that as different things happened. That you know maybe uh, at the other end of that is some kind of conclusion for him with it, um, hopefully, or something like that. And that's what you're hoping for with that kind of experience, not just to get some kind of cool stuff that happens, but also, you know, and we experienced this a lot when we were writing the book, the the experience is profound. It's not scary, necessarily, although it can be. It's not um, 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 terrifying. At the end, it's profound. It, under, it, it, it creates a new kind of understanding of um, someone you love, the nature of things, even though you can't hold it in full, it, 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 you feel as if for a moment you're connected to it. I guess the, the, the poets called it endscape, that like moment where you realize something and then a minute later you don't. Mm-hmm. But for that brief moment, you're able to actually understand, oh, I get it. You know, and that, and that, in that terror, in that kind of uh, emotional bombardment that he was having, he was able to maybe on the other side kind of come to terms with that. Now, Moniz, I, I know that it's something that you prefer not to deal with, but that you have dealt with um, cases that are, are potentially of a demonic nature. Uh, you've certainly dealt with things that were of uh, a truly evil nature. Um, even if it's not quite something you would call demonic, you've dealt with some, some bad stuff uh, over the years in, in your time as an investigator. And I, 
the reaction that we saw was probably similar to to what you might have seen from these families who are undergoing this type of, of trauma. I've never been around anything as 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 strong as this. Now, what's got me curious is to why this guy has such a obsession and aversion. At, he at he the called same time. it. He called it love. It's a duality. Loaf. Yeah, it, it's like a seduction. It's a seduction to something. It, it's it draws him in, uh, and then repulses him at the same time. And he can't explain it. I mean, it was it was very clear cut in his body language. He would walk into the every time we were doing something, he would walk out of the room, and then he couldn't help but slowly come back into the room to experience what was going on. And it and it's affected his life. And yeah, and and more importantly, getting rid of it had a positive influence on his life. So putting this chair in but, what what pretty much you know could be called storage has actually turned his life around. But disowning it is not even a possibility in his mind. Not even. So he's he, he, relocated to somewhere else, but he isn't getting rid of it. Is, is he's that put it far enough away where it feels safe, but he hasn't given it up. It's yeah. interesting because in the um, what they call demonic cases and stuff like that, in cases of possession, he's in what's known as the oppression, oppression. stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's that uh, that transition stage. I was talking about this last night. There's a, a oppression and then this possession. Then there's that stage in between, between. where it pretty much has gone beyond obsession uh, beyond the exorcist or, or beyond the possession or demonic definition of, of obsession, not our you know our definition of it, where um, where it becomes part of your life and it's kind of attached to yourself and the addiction has begun. So it's possession is or obsession is kind of the beginning of that as it intensifies before it moves on before you take the surrender. This I mean he had done everything except for surrender to it, right? And so he was at that. I was going to say most people don't realize that a lot of these cases that they're talking about in demonic actually stem from objects. Right. Uh, I mean, a number, it goes back to ancient history, uh, statuary and various other religious iconography. I liken it to uh, a hypnotist with a watch. Like, they might be able to do without the watch, but that watch really adds that kind of level of focus for people. And I I like to think, I like to think, what I've kind of come to the conclusion of a lot of these objects are that focal point. It's the... You hear something to focus on, and that becomes the focus of the obsession. And then I'm sneaking in on the through the back door with that. Correct. And and this was some some bad stuff, <laughs> like bad juju. Was, you know, just being around it. So I mean, not to give out too much, but there's a crew with us, mm-hmm. and you and I are there, and we are definitely looking at each other and him as if we are um, all experiencing something. Right, like we're not just ah, let's, we're going out and investigating something. I mean, we were experiencing something. We were in a moment there, and it's it's very common for us having done this. We didn't. We kind of put away a lot of the things that we had maybe pre-planned that we were going to do, and even when we did them, they seemed almost kind of forced. And like, if not, because what we were really doing is we were really having an experience, right? And we were capturing that experience. But when I ever looked over at the crew, and their mouths were just dropped because they were like, "Is it always like this?" Right, and that's when it was like whoa. the the mood change <laughs> whoa, in the right. car following it, you know, driving right. to the next location. Um, you know, it was it was palpable. We all felt like we had been around something exhausted profound. and exhausted yeah. and, and kind of drained too. It like, did. It sucked everything out of us. Right. I mean, because we were pretty much jocular and going around and telling jokes and picking on each other and stuff like that. Now, was that because of his reactions? Were was his reactions affecting you, or was it? Something else. I, I don't know. I don't know if it could have been. I mean, he warned us. Psychosomatic. You understand right. where I'm going? Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, this this Theodore, as we're calling him, he warned us. 
Uh, and he said the last one of the last things he said before he left is just be careful for the next few days. Be careful. And and so you have all this. I don't know how much we can get into, but you have all this stuff and all these emotions and things, and you're like things that you can't necessarily, you know, uh, um, uh, quantify and like put. And, and, and scientists would hate this kind of explanation. And then we get evidence from it too. Right. That you was, know? and that's so. Here we have all this stuff, and it's very intense. It's very emotional. It's very much like. I believe everything that I'm saying. I'm looking at this person who we pretty much were interviewing. Like we're looking at – and he could have told me anything at that point and I would have believed him because there was a sincerity and there was a, 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 a disruption of his normal thought process that told me that he was obviously being impacted by what, by what was going on. That's good enough for me, mm-hmm. right? Other people would have looked at that and said, yeah, but where is the proof? Where Show me the money. Well, we got that too. And then we got that. I mean, and, and that was what was amazing. I mean, we're just, you know, we're doing, the funny thing about this is, as I said before, we, we almost forgot to be investigators while we're talking about some of these cases. And it became more about just hearing that story and, and sharing this experience with somebody as best as we could. And, but we, we did bring out some of the equipment and I had the Melmeter out and I was kind of doing a sweep of the chair. Uh, I was mainly looking for EMF. I, I didn't think in a building that had no power whatsoever. No power. It, it had it's it's off, and uh, so I was mainly looking for kind of an EMF spike. And instead, as I brought the millimeter over the chair, I got I watched the temperature drop over ten degrees just over the seat of the chair. You know, not around the chair, not underneath the seat of the chair. Uh, all around it was was ten degrees warmer. Well, you did, you you just taken out Tim. Did you have something else that was cold nearby that you could judge that against? There was a open window right next to it, and so I was like, "Well, maybe we're just getting a draft coming in from there." So I go over to the window, and it immediately climbs back up, almost back that ten degrees. Same thing with the other window on the other side of the room. You know, there was no and and Moniz had mentioned the possibility uh, before the show that maybe you know the air was coming in and it was creating. Uh, Convection. Convection, and that the colder air would be sinking down, the warmer air would be rising, and that's why around the chair would be colder, but the air immediately around the chair wasn't that low. It was only that low, right over the seat of the chair, almost as if something cold was sitting in the chair. Hmm. Now, do you know any of the patents of this chair? Who owned it? What what kind of history? No, and neither did he, and and we kind of, he kind of got very odd when I asked that. I said, well, you know, and he almost got us in like, I didn't get the feeling he knew, but I get the feeling that he maybe had inquired and was stonewalled. Yeah, it was thwarted at some. Yeah. At some. And the the location where he bought it from is no longer around. No longer so around. There's nowhere to really trace that back. So I mean, it was just. It made me think that if this project goes forward, it's it's not going to be as easy as we thought it is. It's going to take an emotional toll. Right, and it's going to more importantly going to uh, at some point you're going to realize like. Not every, um, not everything that we're looking at is uh, fun, right? Although we, we did experience that, you we know, did bounce like back from that in the next case. And we've only got about five minutes here, but if Matt wants to throw up the photos of the Ouija board that we uh, checked out, I mean, this was a, a completely different story. Oh my uh, word! This was uh, somebody totally. who had paranormal experiences throughout her life, but this board had never really been a cause of them right it just kind of always made her a little bit uneasy that because she was so open to the paranormal she thought it best not to have this around what a great board it really was I, it was I beautiful to go back and get that i know i i wish i had more money on me i wish me i had any money when I've we got went money. i've got money right now we can go over after this we should actually uh she was in contact with me she has another item 
uh, that she wants to get for us. That, so you can get that a two for one back, deal. Yeah, see if we can. Yeah, we would can, you talk her down to twenty? No, we that. settled at forty-five. Oh, okay. I think. Oh well. Which um, that might be a little too much. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, we we had a chance to talk with Bob Merch, who is our resident Ouija expert. Wait, wait, how, how nice is that guy? Yeah, he is super. I've heard him on interviews and stuff like that, but I've never even. Uh, uh, he was even more animated tonight and dead on with his, exactly everything that he was saying about it. And and he said it was a good buy. So he said it was a good buy. We should pick it up. But uh, that was definitely uh, we needed that at that point. We yeah. needed to go in and, and be surrounded by her energy. Uh, and, and to kind of have uh, an experience like we did with her. And, and that kind of shows the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, some people, their objects aren't haunted, but they're afraid that they could be. Right, right. And there's kind of a... Uh, but once again, she said the same exact thing. She, I, we were, I was getting very much the same feel of, I don't want this to get into the wrong hands. Right. Um, these people are, are custodians. They're, they're right. stewards of these objects. Uh, now, what if you put the board on top of the chair? That was that was what I wanted to do. Yeah, we we weren't. Um, I sat on the chair, by the way. He did. I said whatever was there did didn't you sit on the board. <laughs> no, but I uh, I did scroll through it. I you did, did use it kind did. of individually by myself, l- looking for Captain Howdy. I will say though that the item of the day that slipped through our fingers was uh, the very first thing that oh, we, my we went sitting outside the flea market. Is this like wooden box with a bunch of weird electronic components and a whole bunch of switches? Just sitting there, like out in the rain. We had no idea what it was or what it did, but by the time we came out, it was gone. Well, I, was, I thought you were talking about the toilet, uh, the toilet paper, the toilet doll. paper doll. That was pretty interesting right. too. Yeah, getting a, a, a unexplainable EMF spike from that. Right, and, and, and it wasn't even in my bathroom. I was, I and even more paranormally, the guy tried to give it to us, and it wasn't his. <laughs> right, he's like, "Well, <laughs> if it's haunted, you guys can have it." So we go over to take it, and somebody's like, oh, "What are you doing? This is my booth." Right, it wasn't even so. his booth, and he disappeared. All right. <laughs> Mysterious. Well, hopefully, you know, this leads to something else and, and we can talk more about it. And if not, it, it was just good to come up and kind of get rejuvenated with that stuff. Right. And be able to it was definitely guys. a shot in so, the arm. Yeah. Uh, and, and we want to thank again everybody who helped us out today. Uh, I know some of them are listening. And, and thank you for allowing us to come into your lives and, and kind of be disruptive and, and ask all these questions and, and poke our fingers in your stuff. And thanks for being supportive and understanding. And we promise that, uh, you know, everything stays between us. And yeah. And network executives. I don't even remember your names. So <laughs> I didn't tell you their real names. Oh, okay. So uh, we are just about out of time for this week's show. We'll be back next week. Are we? Are we back next week? What's we're back next week? next week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know who we are having on? Or? <laughs> um, I'm thinking maybe Josh Gates because he's done every other show over the I know. Past two I, we probably should have Josh <laughs> Gates on to promote Stranded, his new program. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know he had anything to promote. I thought he had oh, like, yeah. come out of rehab or something because he's yeah. on everything. So uh, well, we'll be okay, back so next week. Josh Gates. <laughs> Hans Holzer finally returns. Right, no? yes. Hans Holzer okay. and uh, Josh Gates are doing a little duet. But uh, we will be here with another all-new program where we talk to you about the paranormal. If you want to get in touch with us all week long, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And don't forget, Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. At SpookySC, at Tim Weisberg, at Smoking Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z, and uh, hopefully at Chris Balzano if it's not taken already. You should probably sign up for that before you leave the studio. I don't think there's another Chris Balzano. 
Yeah, Actually, there is, and I think he has a Twitter account. Somebody might be grabbing it now. Just can so I make can. a defense really quick in the last minute here? Yes, yeah, so very quick. My my sister went and checked out uh, Spooky South Coast on YouTube, and she said, "Well, I don't get this. This is just like sweaty balls." I want to say that listening to Spooky South Coast on YouTube, like coming into Spooky TV, is not like that at all. So I want to def- I want to defend what you guys do every week is not just being sweaty balls. We are not the sweaty balls of the paranormal. No, you are not. We are the cottage cheese of the paranormal, as we've said before, <laughs> and was reminded of me this week. All right, so that does it for this week's show. And uh, for once, I get to say this with everybody in the room. Uh, but for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. And we want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy. And what you have Your just station heard for the was South Coast. AM 1420 WBSM.